0: Figure out which ones you like the best. Right. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our our Thursday night team stream. And I'm Mike, and you see in the Serpentor headdress, Joe Colton is with us.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And in no headdress whatsoever, the honcho Mark Weber. Beer, what's up? And our special guests, bottom right, as our special guests always go. Paul Aller is here. Hello. Everyone, applause can. for Paul Aller. Applause for Paul. Right. Oh, thank you. We
2: thank
0: you. hear your virtual applause. How is everybody this evening? Not bad. All right. Good. Do so you us want to expand easy. on that a little bit? Just not bad?
3: Yeah. Anything no.
0: interesting happen?
3: Um, no, I've been a pretty slow week. Do you no, have what's a... Going on. Do
0: you, do you have a new and interesting short round anecdote before like, like a pre-Twitter spoil?
3: I do not. No, he's he's not been doing much lately. I would put him on camera, but he's sleeping right now. So if he wakes up, I'll scoop him up as he walks by.
0: All right. That, that sounds good. That sounds All right. good. Sounds good. We, uh, we are here as part of our selection for Cobra Converges, which is how I was able to guilt Joe Colton into putting on the Serpentor helmet.
1: I think you mocked me.
0: That's usually how it works, yeah. But the, it's the foundations are there in guilt. I'd like to think yeah. that the lessons the
2: lessons my Catholic upbringing gave me are not wasted. I think you had her at this I command.
1: <laughs> He's like, you're not dressed up for this? I was like, please hold.
2: <laughs> I was yeah, excited. I like- I've never, that line's never worked for me.
0: Like your your whole your whole thing is, is dressing up in funny costumes. We're part of a part of a team event and you're you're not gonna wear a funny costume. No no no? And so she went and put on the, the headdress. It's casual Serpentor. It's it's coming there soon to yes. the Joel Colton uh repertoire. It's look the clock, for her and yeah. uh look for her when the when the comic the Comic Con business reopens somewhere around twenty
2: twenty six. Yeah someday. <laughs> One Apparently, day. it's Casual Thursday at the showroom. Oh. Fine. So I was I was out today,
0: and I saw that uh, there is a new variant Duke on the stand. What? In the classified line, yes, right here. It's the the Paul Allard Duke. <laughs> but, um, With a scar in an all new place. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I couldn't resist once. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, Duke! His his head's over here, wearing beach right. beret.
2: Look, that's a that's a pretty big medal to pin to your chest. Hasbro tried to kill Duke and couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't pull it off. Not bad.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you know, people were like, "Why do you hate Duke?" And I'm like, "I actually, I, I killed him off because I don't hate him because I, you know, I." When I thought about other characters mostly most of the ones I considered, I was like, that wouldn't really bother me if they died on page six of the first issue. But when I thought about Duke, I was like, oh, no, that would be heartbreaking. I would hate to have to do that and not have them anymore. And so, so I did it.
1: They love me. <laughs>
2: Sorry, Diana.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I got—I got to imagine, Paul. If there was a character you just didn't like, who wasn't completely necessary, let's throw in Tripwire. You probably just wouldn't write him, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, they—they've given me pretty wide berth to include any characters I want,
0: so, I mean, or not include Tripwire, no right? Tripwire is, is far from the bottom of people's list. I was gonna say, but um,
2: yeah. I was just trying to pick somebody random.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got I got uh, I got 2 to 1 odds on Lightfoot going down somewhere in the next four issues. <laughs> one issue cuz he's Lightfoot and two cuz he's kind of a jerk. <laughs>
3: issue Eight has a very odd assemblage of characters. It's 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 one that takes place like in another location around the world. The next next two issues both take place like elsewhere in the world and um Issue Eight is yeah, very a very strange assembly of characters from different eras that just kind of seem to work together for the story so looking forward to people seeing that yeah yeah
2: given how the comic industry went pencils up for a while Mm -hmm. the current and upcoming issues of joe you must have put those to bed a long time ago um
3: well we had a pretty big break um yeah diamond was shut down for a while when it opened up we put out issue six um and then just just yesterday, we started up again on our second arc. But, yeah, uh, I think when we went pencils down, um, I believe eight was, was – seven and eight were both done. And nine, I think, was maybe, like, either inked or colored but not lettered yet. And ten had been written, but no art had been done on it yet. So that's kind of where we were.
0: Yeah. Before you go any further, let me let me read our question for the postdoc. Yeah. Uh, this is from Doug Dello, who got a hold of us at our email at whatsonjoemind at gmail.com. Uh, Dear Paul and What's on Joe Mind, just wanted to say I'm really enjoying the comic and missed it during the long layoff. Great. I was wondering if it's been hard to get back into writing the comic after the COVID layoff, or do you have a plan far enough out that made it easy to start writing again? How far out do you currently have plans for? You just answered that one for us. Hope everyone is doing well. Sincerely, Doug Dello. Yo, Joe. So figured figured we would ask that before you got all the way through it. Instead, of right?
3: I had planned <laughs> I had planned out to issue twelve uh, before we started the book, um, so I was able to just kind of pick up and keep going from there. So um, after issue twelve um, is, I still have like a general idea. Like I, I after that, I think I have like things I know I want to do. Like I have a lot of things I want to do, but I don't necessarily have them all plotted out as specifically as I did you know, one through 12. So
0: Kill yeah. Tripwire. Yeah. Got it. Kill tripwire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if, if you had a plan, I know we, we keep, it seems like we keep coming back to this, but every time we, we talk to you, it's a couple of months apart and something major has happened since the last time we talked to you. So yeah, I mean, good on you for keeping it moving. Yeah. But, but thanks. Let, let's just say, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take all of the, the potential roadblocks and pandemics and, uh, you know and whatever let's just say that you're allowed to take this to whatever logical conclusion you have for it at the end of the story about how many issues we looking at <laughs>
3: I could keep it going for a long time just because it goes around the world and it spans like a lot of different there are a lot of different factions out there that we haven't seen yet we haven't seen the October guard yet we haven't seen some other folks yet I don't even want to necessarily throw things out there oh um, the, the October guard do get a shout out next month so they're at least mentioned in the book for the first time um, as, is a, as is a certain British team um, but yeah no I mean I could easily I could easily do this thing for 100 issues
0: nice hope to see it happen
3: yeah me too yeah. that'd be, that'd be <laughs> a minor miracle in today's market but, I know right
0: but, Paul yeah, looks yeah.
3: over at
2: his pace like, yeah so do I <laughs>
3: exactly yeah
2: yeah Joe got all excited for the October Guard because she's mm-hmm. Greek and Canadian. Excellent. So it's a natural fit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. And so that that uh, that other that other group would that happen to be a uh, a group of soldiers that Bobby Valla currently has the the copyright for?
3: Oh uh, yeah, I, I can't really get into that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, um... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'm
3: stepping so, way back from that one there we go <laughs>
1: we have another question
0: <laughs> you
1: like to, like, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to put it up on the screen Mike?
0: Uh, we have uh, well, I mean really we, we brought Paul on so he would have the chance to talk to our live streamers to our regulars to, to get the answers yeah. that, that they want on the comic now, Paul. Don't feel compelled that you have to answer all these if it's something you can't talk about. Okay. You can't talk about it. And, I just and saw just,
3: Rob's. I looked over and saw Rob's comment. He broke my Duke for a cheap gag, and I thought he meant in the comic. Um, and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. Now I feel bad. Then I really just talking no, about a no, toy. No, <laughs> so. no, Okay, okay. Now I now I don't feel bad at all anymore.
0: All right. It go. was yeah. No, no, not in the <laughs> least. It was, just, it was open and on the shelf, so I, I grabbed it for the cheap gag. There you go. And he's let like, me what check- are you doing? And I was like, nothing. And then he heard the pop from the head. <laughs> so, me,
2: hold on. Let me let me check the rule book here. Now it says here pretty clearly older brothers are allowed to break their younger brothers stuff. There yeah, but go. I'm the younger one. Well, the, oh, boy. Now you're in trouble.
0: I know, he is telling mom.
2: <laughs> you're hoes now.
0: All keep, right. Keep putting this up there so I can perhaps have it in the light in the, uh, the thumbnail later on.
2: You broke get enough shots
0: of you broke shots head of and... headless Paul Eller Duke, then perhaps perhaps to live on in infamy.
2: You broke the head and the torso. There's a giant crack going right across it.
0: <laughs> Doing that again? You
2: going for that one again? No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. So I do Paul's
0: want to fun. give a quick shout out to the to the honcho for setting me up here.
1: Oh yes.
0: So we got happy like beachhead going. Nice. Yeah, Paul, Paul when is this guy storm. showing up, man? When are you going to make this trip for me complete? When is this guy gonna show up? We'll no see. Brother.
3: We'll see. No plans <laughs> of this no plans of this time. We will Paul's um like issue Greg, 18
0: and a half, page seven.
3: Greg Pack has uh, has a great line he uses for questions like that. He says, uh, we will we shall see in the fullness of time.
0: Ooh, there we go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that.
2: That's like when my kids ask me something I didn't quite hear, and I just say, sure. (laughs) They don't. sure, that doesn't mean yes. Sure means dad didn't hear the question. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, ice cream, sure. Perfect.
1: All right, so Uh, we have a- Quick comment from
2: the crowd.
0: We will turn over to our live streamers. Yes. First up, Mike Layton says, I really enjoyed your panel at Toilcon last year. Oh, excellent! I think I think he's talking to you, Paul. I don't think he's talking to me.
1: No. Technically, it was
0: your panel too, but yeah. No, that was. I was. was I was was just there to to uh, in case somebody rushed the stage. My job was to keep them off. There you go. That was really the whole thing. Perfect. Who do we have that's obnoxious and large? Well, we've got (laughs) Mike. Mike can uh, can play fullback for Paul Aller if we got to get him out there. There you go. That was a fun
3: panel. There was a lot of really good questions there. And I also was. was around for the couple panels before mine, and they uh, they seem to all be really good.
0: We had a good time. We uh, we got to compare your beard to the beards of the the crowd. There you go. That is uh, something like we got nothing going on on this this, this <laughs> one. like you win the beard off right there, unless Joe Colton's got something in the in the uh, the cabinet.
2: Yeah, cosplay beard. There you go.
0: Maybe she can. Maybe she can redo her clutch cosplay from last week.
1: <laughs> maybe
0: <laughs> all right the a-lister alistair keffer has our first real question what has been paul's favorite story arc in my book in your, I, I guess
2: yeah Let's
3: go um that. boy that's 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 a which tough one are one. you I mean, most proud of i mean number seven the one that came out yesterday has been my favorite issue yeah um yeah, I mean, a lot of the other ones have been, like, really fun. This one, like, number seven wasn't necessarily, I would say, fun to write um, at all. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one one that I'm the most proud of. So, yeah. And we are going to talk about
0: issue seven here. So, I okay. apologize if, uh, you know, spoilers. There, we have that spoiler potential. Right. Um, if we start talking about issue, issue seven in earnest, I will hold up Headless Duke. That is your signal for spoiler. Okay. So if, if Headless Duke is up, spoiler. I will if say Headless Duke uh, is down. No spoiler.
3: <laughs> issue f- issue five also was was a lot of fun um, because it takes place in Indianapolis. So I had a lot of fun, you know, writing it basically in my neighborhood and my dog and I have a have a brief cameo in, in it as as Dreadnoks. So um, that one was very enjoyable as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah, yeah. We have a question here from Vagon. If I can ask, did you what source did you use for the PTSD write-up? And that is a reference to issue seven. Mm-hmm. So Headless Duke is in play.
3: Yeah, it was a lot. Of, I, I won't be spoiling anything for this question, though. It was a lot of um, a lot of research. Like I knew I wanted to do this issue, basically from when I first pitched the series. Um, so, so kind of the whole time I was writing issues one through six, I was also researching, uh, for issue number seven in the background. Um, and yeah, my main, uh, so yeah, I looked at, I, you know, read several books and journal articles on it. I looked at a lot of like technical, not technical manuals, but like manuals for how, um, how to treat PTSD. Um, and, and I also listened to a lot of, um, oral histories, um, from, from vets uh, talking about their, their time coming back. But the main sources are, the, but I guess the source I drew the most from is a book called Fields of Combat. I just looked it up because I saw that question coming. Fields of Combat, Understanding PTSD Among Veterans of I- Iraq and Afghanistan by a sociologist named Aaron Finley, where he went down to San Antonio, which is actually where I grew up, and there's a ton of veterans there, um, and basically did a a sociological field study of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans um, and the struggles they had, you know, coming home. And so then that was all the research I went into writing the script. After I'd written the script, I actually reached out to some folks and asked them if they wanted to consult on it, basically to read the script, tell me what I messed up and how I could <laughs> fix it, essentially. Um, and the people for that were uh, Dwayne France, who is a, a retired um, Army NCO and combat vet, Um, He was in the service for 22 years, and now he's a therapist, and he works with um, with vets and folks with PTSD, and he runs a blog um, called Headspace and Timing and has a couple podcasts where he just talks about about veterans' issues and uh, suicide among vets and all those kind of things. So Dwayne was uh, fantastic. And I also reached out to the Veterans Affairs uh, Office. They have a national post-traumatic stress disorder center. Um, and they got back to me right away. I actually, like, I kind of thought that was a bit of a stretch, but you know, I, I didn't realize that like, when you say GI Joe, people pay attention. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not responding to me. They're responding to the fact that I'm saying, I write GI Joe, will you help me out with this issue? Um, and a couple folks there read it A Margaret Willoughby, who is their director of communications and a woman named Patricia Watson, who is a, uh, a PhD, um, a psychiatrist who works for. Veterans Affairs, and um, so yeah, all three of those people read it, gave me notes. They did point out like not necessarily things that I've gotten wrong with things that like you know maybe I would finesse this a little bit. This could be worded a little bit differently. Like I'm trying to think of an example. So okay, extraordinarily. I mean, spoilers in terms of like I'm saying something that happens in the book, but I'm not like spoiling a an event in the book. Um, <laughs> Early on, um, Scarlet is in a, um, uh, a group therapy session for the issues that she's dealing with, which is PTSD. But we actually were careful to never say the word PTSD. The word PTSD never appears in the issue um, mm-hmm. because because veterans have a lot of issues coming home, not necessarily related to PTSD. So I wanted to like you know make it a little bit broader than that. But she's in a group therapy session, and another character is talking about how. It was shocking when he came home from overseas to see like how many different kinds of sodas were available here, and just how like there was some cognitive dissonance for him there, um, which is a thing from my research that I saw veterans talking about similar things. But um, in my original script, Scarlet kind of sarcastically said, "That must be really traumatic for you." Um, he was like, "You're darn right it is." Um, and um, Patricia Watson from the Veterans Affairs, she was like. It kind of belittles the idea of trauma to have her say that. Like, could you have her say like that must have been really tough on you or something like that? So, like, I can't remember what the, what the exact line is, but I um, I changed that. So that was an example of like, the kind of little tweaks they made. Where it, you know, and and they helped me out with some of the clinical language um, that you have with the um, her therapist. Who I'm not I'm not going to say who that is in case anyone hasn't read it yet because that's a. <laughs> Fun little Easter egg we did, but, tripwire, um, <laughs> trip, tripwire, yeah. Yeah. Tripwire.
1: Yeah. tripwire
3: in his last issue before he's killed. Yeah, sorry, that's a reference to something we were discussing before the live stream <laughs> began. <laughs> Everyone's like, "What? What? What?" what? All the pre- rumors pre- started. <laughs> That's right. You have gone <laughs> like
1: that, they would have been going bananas for the next two to three issues waiting for <laughs> to go and die.
3: Well, I yeah. will say that if you're a fan of of seeing GI Joe characters die, you definitely want to pick up issue nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tripwire dies. It's <That's> fine. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So all, all in all, for this one issue, Paul, about, about how many hours would you say you put into the script on that one?
3: Oh, gosh. I don't know. It was a lot, though, because I started working on it. Like, I I finished up five and six earlier than scheduled, so I'd have more time for it. And even then, I still, like, I spent a little more time on it than I should have. My editor was very patient with me. And, and you know, the artist was still working on past stuff, so it wasn't like I was, like, jamming up the works. But... I don't know. I couldn't say, but I, I will say that like compared to a normal script, it was like probably about twice as many hours. So, and then like the revision process was also interesting. Like I said, I had the consultants, and then it went off to Hasbro, and uh, I think that like probably more people at Hasbro read this than like any other any other G. I. Joe script because they really you know put it through the ringer, and they asked me like send them um, uh, uh, bios of our, my consultants just so they could like you know be assured that that I was sure. talking to. To genuine people, and like I, you know, my editor was kind of like, you know, don't you know, don't be upset about this, but they wanted me to, and I was like, no, like, like that's that's really good due diligence. Like this is a this is a a topic you don't want to mess up, and I don't want to mess that up either. So yeah, I I understand
0: that completely. So yeah, to follow up, here's Vagon again. Uh, Thanks for putting in the details. It shows. Oh, thank you. To be honest, I was worried before checking it out, and yes, that is the truth. Got me hooked on orange soda because you could always get it. Sprite, no. Yeah. So. There you go, from uh, from a guy with airborne wings in his avatar. I'm going to guess that nice. there's some, some service there. Yeah, um, excellent. We have yeah, uh, yeah, another I mean, uh, piece of input from Renegade Biker Twenty Four before it gets lost in the shuffle here. Sure. Uh, Paul, there is a program called Heroes on the Water for veterans with PTSD. Uh, oh, says great. that you can find it on Facebook as well. So okay, if, you, if you need more reference, okay, uh, fantastic. Just wanted to to recognize that that he's putting that out there before it got too far along. Yeah, absolutely. So, Two, two takeaways from this besides the, really it's, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of character work. Um, I read it last night. I was dead tired after a full day of work. Uh, but I stopped, I read the book and then I kind of just walked to the kitchen, poured myself a drink of water, sat down and read it a second time. Like it was that good. I I needed to to go back and get it again to let it sink in. And, um, It what what's what I liked best about it is there's no moments on the second to last page where Scarlet's like, I'm cured now. You know, it's 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 very it's made pretty clear that this is something that she struggles with now and she's going to continue to struggle with going forward. Yeah, and and second off, I mean, really, I mean, we really felt the loss of this guy. Yeah. For the first time, it took seven issues, you know, six and a half issues since he's dead. And we're really getting the effect of that for the first time. So it, it, there, there was this is really a it's it's a well-crafted issue that stands out in a series of well-crafted issues.
3: Well, thank you. I also I mentioned on Twitter earlier today that like I'm guessing a lot of people because of the issue is getting so many people like mentioning it is is going to like there are going to be people who read this issue when they haven't read any of the previous ones. And then they'll probably like some of them maybe like wrap back around and start at issue one. And I'm thinking like it'll be interesting to see their reaction to Duke's Death if they read this one first and then issue one after it. Like I almost I almost worry that like I'm thinking as a reader, if I read issue seven, knowing nothing about the series, and then read issue one, that moment would feel like so cruel. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that, but we'll We'll see what happens if, if there are if there are such folks out there. I shouldn't you know be arrogant enough to assume that'll happen in Mets <laughs> or anything.
0: <laughs> so we we talked some about the the psychology aspect of this. Oh, we got a question here from Matt Rubin. Who do you turn to to see if your military terms are correct?
3: Um, various folks in my family and friends. I'm like I come from military families, so like yeah, I I do not suffer for vets um in my life i I, um both my dad and my stepdad were career air force enlisted guys um so yeah that's um that's not an issue but um and also Dwayne, uh my consultant on on number seven he was like if you ever have any other questions hit me up let me know so i was like yeah definitely i will say that one thing that like um it was hasbro hasbro who wanted to sort of move toward the you know idea of this being a a defense force that's drawn from the civilian population. Um, And like when they kind of put that on me uh, in the planning stages, I did realize that like, okay, that just made my research a lot easier, you know? Um, Like that's, um, you guys did just do me a favor there because I I have a lot lot fewer uh, military terms and military procedures that I have to to stick to. Um, So yeah, yeah. So it hasn't, it hasn't come up a whole lot. But when it does, I definitely have a lot of people I can talk to.
0: Excellent. I, I still say you should take my suggestion and make Flint a, a member of another team who really hits it off and, and buddies up with Frontier. I still say you should do that. Excellent. So, just I will. to make everybody wig out.
3: Also, uh, I just noticed Dwayne is, uh, is in the chat. Headspace and timing, I believe that is. That is uh, Dwayne France himself. So, um, hey, man.
0: He's just—he's saying it doesn't happen like that. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's in reference to, but yeah, me neither. <laughs> Thank you for showing up, Dwayne, and, and for for contributing.
3: I think maybe what you said about the end of the issue not having like a
2: big moment of yeah,
0: yeah, that could be it. Gotcha. That makes sense.
2: That makes sense. Paul, Paul you said that before you even when you were making the initial pitch to write Joe, you had this topic or this issue in mind. Mm-hmm. You already planned that it would be Scarlet. Or did you just know you wanted to tackle this issue and then chose the the lead later?
3: I think I already had Scarlet in mind, honestly. Like it's been we're talking about like you know over a year and a half ago, um, so I, I I think I might have had Scarlet in mind. If I didn't, I landed on Scarlet very very quickly. So
2: yeah, and one of the things I, I really liked about the issue, separate from the uh, the PTSD and trauma storyline. I really liked how it characterized the brotherhood between of soldiers between Scarlet and and Duke because in in popular media uh, and even in G.I. Joe the female characters are often defined by their love interest yep. and the fact that they had a connection that was genuine and genderless yeah. I thought it was really, really cool. And, you don't you don't see that enough.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was really important to me that that their, their relationship in this issue just be like one of, you know, brothers and sisters in arms. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will say there was some concern um, when I picked Scarlet that, like, it would play into the stereotype of like women not being as in control of their emotions. Um, and I kind of like. Kind of had to assure some folks early on that, like you know, this issue is going to make it very clear that this is, you know, that this is an issue that a lot of different people face, and she won't be the only only vet in the issue that will be that we'll be looking at. Um, So, and yeah, I mean, and and that'll be a, a, I think, a complex and nuanced enough portrait that no one's gonna no one's gonna come out of it thinking that. But it was it was good to get that note early on, though, since it was something I was able to to keep in mind, it, it helped me not only with the, with the gender thing, but just with, you know, making sure in general to, to make it a, treat it as a, as a complex issue that everyone has to deal with in their own way.
0: Speaking of basing characters and I'll, I'll throw spoiler Duke up one more time. Um, Roger, the, the character who, uh, has the issues with the soda? Is he based on anyone in particular from Joe Mythos? Uh, is he one of the case studies that you studied? Uh, what what's up there? You seem to have a bit more personal depth than than you know. We we you spent a lot of time getting into his specifics than many other characters in the book.
3: Yeah, um, it was a lot of it was drawn from from my research, like different things he said. You know, were different things i've seen in in, in oral histories and in the the case studies in the fields of combat book not not based on any particular person that i know in real life don't know
0: okay and we'll keep talking but you guys keep keep throwing your questions up in in the we we, we're here so that the public can can throw stuff at paul about about his his wonderful book if you're not reading gi joe from idw Obviously, we'd rather have you read everything that has a GI Joe label on it. it. Gives us more reason to get together on Thursday night. But if you are specifically not reading this this run of GI Joe, you are really missing out. Yep. Joe Colt, you have any questions? You've been quiet.
1: No, I was gonna ask him um, the same thing you did, but I just I was like, great. No, I have no question. So
3: <laughs> there okay. you go.
1: I did enjoy. Uh, I. I I think PTSD is a very hard topic to discuss mm-hmm. and also to read about for the the average person, and they don't know how to they don't know how to uh, approach it or feel about it. It just it is kind of like it's over there. It's not you know has nothing yeah. to do with me kind of thing. But you you brought it into light in a way that like there's a ton of people who have this and who go through these things and it's not an alien thing. It's, it's normal. And we should uh, care about these people who have this and go through it. And it's, it's a process. It's not like they can switch it on or off. So thank you for that.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, Joe uh, and and her group, the finest. Uh, they they've done a lot of charity work in the past for uh, Canines for Warriors. Who, oh, fantastic! Who who uh, have raised? Uh, how much have you guys raised over the last few years? I mean, it's we're over talking. 80, wow! wow.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: Fantastic! Nice. Yeah,
1: we uh we took a break uh from doing a giant calendar this year, but uh we're doing other little things. Um, if if there's a show, a small show you have got, like, stickers and shirts and stuff that we're, we're selling and uh, past calendars. People are, like, collecting now the calendars from, like, previous years that you didn't, like, think that would be a collector thing. People are collecting, like, cosplayers in like, G.I. Joe outfits and a calendar. That's um,
3: interesting. Well, every seven or eight years, they're usable again. right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll get this comment up next year From the Cobra Viper, I had eight combat tours. And my own struggles with PSD or PTSD. Two of my deployments were after my diagnosis. Thank you for the work you did for this issue. It showed. Well, thank you so
3: much. I appreciate that.
0: And uh, he he did Brilliant sign it later on. I, I don't know if I will necessarily want to put the signature up there, but you know everybody can see that, and that's uh, a yeah, it's, uh, yeah that, that that that's big. That's uh, that is that's knowing that gentleman personally. That that's high praise. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
3: Thank you that I mean honestly that, that just means so much to me. the um the response from folks in the military community to this to this book has just been incredibly heartening, honestly. Okay. It, it, I mean, it's like when I hear comments like that, like mm-hmm. I don't really like I don't really know what to
2: say because it's honestly somewhat overwhelming. Well, it had to be hard because you you had to know this was going to be an important issue. and you know you just know when something you're working on is extra good or extra special, but you had to wait, right? You had the extra wait before this could come out. So yeah, you had to have a ton of anticipation for, right? Not to to toot your own horn, but I'm sure you knew this was a really seminal issue and couldn't wait for people to be able to digest it and get to do that.
3: Yeah, um, I I had a feeling it it might be seen as something special and I'd hope so, but yeah, it, it has been very, very anxiety, you know, create, creating to like
1: giant just, just
3: just, just keep waiting, word. keep waiting for it to come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
0: we can see the release. Your your beard is actually getting browner as we talk. <laughs> <laughs> like all
3: the gray is just going away. It just When you talk about it being a seminal issue, uh, I think of this as like my silent interlude, but this is the talkie interlude.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking lips. Yeah. It doesn't a- roll off the tongue quite the same. ironically. No, enough. not quite.
2: Not quite. It's a great <laughs> issue. Now I got to track down all fifty alternate covers.
1: Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which one? I think one there's only two. two. Oh, number two. Which one is your favorite cover?
3: Oh, um, I, mean, I, I I think Chris's um, the, the, the main cover with uh, with Scarlet and Duke on it. Because um, okay. I mean, I mean that. I mean, that that Sarah Richard Baroness cover is just extraordinary as a, as a piece of art, but you know, like the variants often don't relate to the story. To me, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I like, I like Chris's cover because it, you know, ties into the story. So, so strongly, but, um, but yeah, then all that, that Baroness cover
2: is amazing though. I must've missed the Baroness in that issue somewhere. Yeah. She's in, one, she's, she's in one panel. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll turn (laughs) turn a little bit. Wait wait a minute! No surprise that I can't find the bareness right now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) life imitating art. See what I did? Next question. uh, We'll veer off of of issue seven specifically here. Uh, Who's your favorite character to write for at the moment, and who's the most difficult? A big swig of moonshine, there, Paul.
3: Scarlet's probably my favorite at the moment. Um, I mean, I mean, I was I was gonna say like, and Fadeaway is a close second, and also Jinx and you know Roblox. Like I just, <laughs> but um, you no, know, Scar- I would say Scarlet is my favorite character. Um, not just in Seven because I finished writing it a long time ago, but in the in a couple of issues that I just finished as well. Um, although I will say like my favorite combination of characters continues to be um, B- Blood and Mindbender. Uh, I just I just love any scene with the two of them together, um, showing their just very weird friendship. Um, that's been a lot of fun, and and their weird friendship is going to be paying off uh, later this arc in a big way. So that'll be that'll be fun to see. Uh, most difficult, um, Cobra Commander is tricky just because I don't want to overuse him, and I want to keep him a little bit you know mysterious, but I don't want him to be like such a cipher that you know. And so far, he has been like he's only been in the book a couple times. But I just finished an issue that he's in a lot more, and we like you know that issue. It was kind of like it was definitely a balancing act to to flesh him out while also not you know I think with mysterious characters, you often if you learn too much about them, they become you know not as exciting. So the Wolverine effect. I mm-hmm. was I. Was about to say that, but then I was like, no, you know, I do some writing for Marvel. I should,
0: I should keep yeah. my mouth shut. Okay, <laughs> so I,
3: I appreciate you saying it.
0: <laughs> I I have no comic writing career to worry about. I'll I'll take that one. Ruin. Take that's the the X Men credo. Let's take our best character and ruin him, <laughs> and we'll find a new best character and we'll ruin him.
3: I do like I do like that Wolverine uh, is you know the 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 strong silent character who like, you know, the man of few words but then like most of his books just tend to have like a massive number of like internal narration captions. It's like yeah. that's, a, that's a fun little loophole they found there.
0: <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm reading through the comments. Yep.
1: I'm going to put that headspace one up.
0: Sure. Oh. Well, thank you, Dwayne. I really appreciate that back when Dwayne read the script he said to Paul the exact same thing this is a game changing issue. Yeah I, I, I mean that's this this it's not just a GI Joe game changer man I really think that's that's something you're going to have on your resume for the rest of your life.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not saying the first line of my obituary. That would have been a little darker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why do you know something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um i I guess question is, uh Paul, now that you've you've done all this research on it, what more can be done to help our veterans that are dealing with this situation what do you where do you feel the weakness is and in, in how we're helping these folks?
3: I honestly, like i that's above my pay grade. I mean, I, I researched you oh. know. I research what it's like to go through it and the treatments for it, but like you know, I mean, obviously there are short shortcomings, and but I would direct people to to Dwayne's blog, the Headspace and Timing in his podcast, because that's a big part of what he deals with is is getting resources out to people and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's um, it's it's a really it's an excellent question, and it's a question that should be asked. I don't want to pretend like I'm enough of an expert on that aspect of it to speak intelligently about it.
0: That's fair, yeah, that's fair.
1: I have a spoiler question. Sure. Will this issue come back around in future issues?
3: Um, not immediately. Okay. Possibly. I mean, you know, like I said, the past issue twelve isn't really broken down issue by issue, but not um not immediately. Like I so said, the mm-hmm. next couple the next couple of issues actually um. Depart from our team altogether, Um, and they both take place with like completely new new characters—not new to GI Joe, but new to our books and other parts of the world. So, um, and and then we come back to our team for a little bit. But yeah, um.
0: it's happening. (laughs) It's happening. We've talked enough times in the last few months. I know your fake outs, Paul Alex. You're not. You're not hiding this from me. Your your games. Your games are nothing to me.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> You're just jealous that my character that I love so much is in it so much, and yours is not.
0: <laughs> I, I I am not. I, I really don't. I, I, I'm no. I'm good with any G.I. Joe that's being done well.
1: You just want beachhead all the time.
0: No, no, no I don't. That's not true. I love Renegade. He was nowhere to close to Renegade.
2: Hey Paul, right? um, given that uh, the the closeness of that Scarlet and Duke had that you made clear in this, in this comic, just as, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in arms mm-hmm. and that there's one guy, I mean, not even chiefly responsible, specifically responsible for Duke's death. Is that some kind of vendetta or showdown we might see explored down the road or is that, is that a uh, too
0: loaded? Or he's grinning, yeah?
2: Never Who mind. Knows? wow, that's a
0: good idea. I need to write that down, right? You never oh.
1: thought, of that. okay? <laughs> going again, you've made him nervous.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hmm. that's a good <laughs> idea. I'll have to give you credit for that if, if that
0: ever happens. Something to think about, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, you know, there you go. We're, yep.
0: we're breaking the news right there.
2: Yep. <laughs> I'll be rooting for the redhead.
0: That's a honcho newsbreak.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: We need to get a sound oh, effect I'm for that.
1: You're voting for the ginger.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so will I.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just it's for solidarity. Mark's gonna put a red streak in his ponytail. There you yeah. go. Or a, a yellow streak in his ponytail.
2: As Perfect. long as Scarlett doesn't put a blonde streak in her hair. Yeah. I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, be, think, care, be careful. Think, you might get that in feedback from the company. Hey, uh, <laughs> put some gold on her.
3: I think Sorry, we're God. all right. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, too late.
3: <laughs> Chris is pretty happy with uh, with with his Scarlet design. I think he's he's pretty proud of that one.
0: So, tell us tell us a little bit more about the relationship you have with Chris working on the book do you iron out any kind of any kind of visuals with him or do you just kind of leave that in up to him to to play with uh chris and i have known each other for
3: like i think about eight years now um he actually i i did as some of you will know a a four issue g.i joe fill-in um a long time ago at the end of fred van linty's run um And the first two issues of that were telling like stories about different Cobra commanders throughout history. And the stories were all like three to five or six pages each. And they had different artists doing them. And Chris actually did the one about the Cobra commander, like from way, way back who like knew knew, uh, Dante. Um, And um, and so that was how we met was working on G.I. Joe together. Um, and then we talked about doing something together uh, on a creator-owned basis, and after several years of kicking ideas around and pitching to different places, uh, we did a book called Monstro Mechanica together through Aftershock, which um, I think if you enjoy G.I. Joe and you also enjoy creator-owned comics, you should check that out. It's about uh, Leonardo da Vinci and uh, his uh, apprentice and their robot bodyguard. It's a lot of fun. Um,
1: What What is it called?
3: Oh, sorry, Monstro Mechanica. Mon M O N S T R O then like mechanic and then an A in the end. Um anyway, so yeah so then when I was brought on GI Joe I actually asked my editor like I think Chris would be really great for this. Would you consider him and they you know he was already familiar with him and so thankfully that that was able to work out. So anyway, that was a very long-winded way of saying we actually have a really close relationship because we've you know worked together for so long and I've you know visited him and his and his wife in uh, the Netherlands. Um so yeah we we don't necessarily we we talk a lot. We don't necessarily like formally work out the visuals on any particular issue. But when I'm scripting, a lot of times I'll be like, "Here's the thing I'm thinking about doing. What would you think of this?" And he'll tell me, you know, what he thinks, and we'll go back and forth on it for a while. And then again, when we um when when he's drawing it, he'll reach out to me a lot and be like, "What would you think of you know changing this in the script, doing this differently?" So there's a moment in issue ten that. <laughs> I wish I could just tell you what it was, but I really, I really can't. Where like, he took an action beat, like a very basic action beat, and then he was like, "What if we did blinkety blink instead?" And I was like, "That's so brilliant! Yes, please do that." And then when the art came back in, he had added like another element on top of that that just makes it so like weird and creepy and and fun. And I'm just thrilled about it. So um, if you follow me on Twitter, when issue ten comes out, I'll 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 tweet about it in the panel and show you what I'm talking about but it's um it's just fantastic. So yeah, Chris Chris brings so much to this. And I mean in in you know in issue 7 again like you know um we talked before as I was scripting about all the stuff about you know coming back to her throwing the garbage away, coming back to her apartment and how we would you know show visually the different Um, her, her progress over time. So, and in Brittany, our colorist also just did like, it's not easy to do like to do 20 pages that goes through a year and a half and have to keep on changing the color palette as you like move through the seasons. Um, And she just did a really fantastic uh, job with that. And with sort of like also tracking the storytelling and, and, and the, the um, PTSD panels and all that through her, through her color work. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I really dig Chris's visuals on the book. It, you can yeah, tell he's yeah. he's inspired by the old Sunbow look mm-hmm. from the old yeah. cartoon series. It's it's a very very clean, you know, very very uh, '80s look on things.
3: Yeah, absolutely. For, I, I really I really like the way he um he he ties their their look into their old eighties uniforms but in civilian clothing. Like Lightfoot with the, the three grenades printed on his shirt. That was just so yeah. so funny. Um yeah. And the uh, the character in, in G.A. Joe 7 who,
0: you know, is obviously a, a future Joe.
3: Um yeah.
0: Yeah I, I picked him out on the first reading and, and threw <laughs> yeah. uh, threw my brother for a loop on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely. Hey check out this guy.
1: Oh yeah
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a lot of fun. So, question here from Matt Rubin again. How many G.I. Joe's characters do you have on deck to introduce Ooh. in your current run? So, I guess we're looking for a number here, Paul.
1: Can you say? Do you know the number? Um,
3: in the next issue, issue eight, there are, like, four. I'm including Cobra in here as well. Um, okay. There are four characters. Um... That you've seen before in other iterations, but I haven't been in our book yet. In issue nine, again, I mentioned the dead Um, Joes. Issue nine has a lot of new characters. It has, um, like, I think, like eleven. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, Eleven characters that are existing Joe characters that, and that ten it's, it's all Joes, no, no Cobra characters that we haven't seen before, um, and the, the people they're facing off with in that issue are are, are new characters. Um, yeah, so that's and then, and then we come back and stick to some of the characters we've already seen for a while. So issue ten we introduce a new villain, so that's that's a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Go back to your research here. Barking Fridge has the question, did you research from a broad historical perspective of PTSD such hey, as... Mike, the can, hear you,
3: can you hear me still? Yeah. Can, I hear you well? can you hear yes. me? I don't have any volume right now. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Okay. Let me try to plug in my headphones a little more. There you go. No, they seem okay. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Can't Can we try? I'm unplugging headphones and just using my computer's mic. All
0: right. This is usually my role. Yeah. Yep. Filling in for the honcho here. Normally he's the one whose yeah, phone right down.
2: I got out honchoed. I'll warn him when he gets back.
1: His superpower is like. Oh, <laughs> ah! Bye.
2: It's short round. It's a hot dog. Oh, we can't hear you, Paul. You need your. Yeah. Maybe if we do this, speak to the legal. Okay, I I'm sorry. Here we go. Here there we go. go.
0: Wow, I was talking a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got to love live streams, man. You got to love uh-huh. Yeah,
3: so let me know if we can echo. Um, but um, if you guys can hear me all right, I guess we can just do this for a bit. Yeah, good. Okay, excellent.
0: Yeah. No, normally, it's too, only Joe Colton breaks things so
1: <laughs> or the honcho with his, his earphones
2: yeah i got a bad set of bad headphone set we'll yeah. anyways we'll go back to barking fridge's
0: question here did you research from a broad historical perspective of ptsd such as the patent incident or did you want to keep things in your head current and focus purely on the last couple decades
3: um, yeah it was pretty much the last couple of decades. Um, most of the oral histories that I that I read were from um, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans the um, like I said the fields of combat book um, deals with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans and um, and all of the um, stuff I read on on treatment I tried to look at very current stuff because I didn't want to accidentally put something in that you know was no longer used or has fallen out of fashion in, in, in therapeutic circles so yeah no, I know I did I did try to look at look at current stuff. Well, oh, the name of the book is A Soldier's Heart," which is a Civil War um, name for what we now would call PTSD. So,
1: yeah. Right, I like I that. One for yes, and then clarified.
3: What's that?
0: Yeah, somebody threw a somebody threw a question in there in between the question I was trying to answer in the chat. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 'Cause I mean, I, I've given up trying to get Joe Colton to do anything special for our podcast. So also just throw on a scary helmet. It's enough we get her to show up, frankly. I mean, Paul, this is what this is the fourth time you've been on the show, it's the first time you've met Joe Colton, am I right?
3: It's true, yeah.
1: I'm like Pokeroo. <laughs>
0: As as I go go after uh, the person who's been on the program for like four years on attendance, that's, <laughs> that's a smart thing to do. Find Excellent. your longest tenured co-host, slag them on attendance. Good plan. Perfect. I know how to keep this crazy train rolling. <laughs> oh,
1: next question.
3: Um. Comic shops if you're if you're in an area that has one. A lot of smaller places don't. Uh, if you go to there's a website called Comic Book, Comic Shop Locator.com that you can put in your zip code and find comic shops near you. Um, if you are a digital reader, you can get them on a website called comicsology.com. Um, other than that, there are also places where you can you can order them. It's a little it's a little expensive to just order like one issue because you know you're paying the four bucks for the issue and then shipping just for one small comic can be sent to you but the, the the trade that has the first issue is coming out um i actually think it's been moved to like spring or something which i saw that the other day that like it says that the first trade is coming out in march i'm guessing that's incorrect i'm guessing that's like a a, a glitchy date that was caused by everything getting pushed back but so right now i don't know when the first six issues are coming out in trade but they will Eventually, be
0: that's crazy. March, March is almost when the second one would be due, you think?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say
0: it's about right. Like, we'll be in uh, if, if August is seven, September is eight, October is nine, November's 10, December's 11, January's 12. So, yeah, March would be about when the second one shows up.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's an
0: omnibus,
3: maybe. Yeah,
0: Get those glossy. Inches, so, get the glossy gold embossed hardcover. Yeah. yeah. Hardcover. Yep. So yeah, to answer to answer that particular question, there there's a trade coming on the first six issues of Paul's GI yeah. Joe. It was, it was due in the middle of the shutdown, and so yeah, um, we're wait and see when that shows. Called GI
3: Joe Volume One: World on Fire.
0: So for the folks who don't follow you on Twitter, Paul, and I enjoy following you on Twitter because it's basically the continuing adventures of the the little gentleman that is sitting with you. Um, Tell tell us all about him.
3: Sure. This is Short Round. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We actually, a friend of mine, actually not me, found Short Round as a stray on January 1st, 2018. Um, so that was when he kind of crashed into my life. Um, he didn't have uh, a tag, didn't have a chip, um, wasn't neutered, and um, was emaciated. We think he'd been on the on the street for a while. was not trained at all, like would actually choke himself on a leash when we first put him on one. Um, and didn't like to be touched at all. So he was basically a cute little mess. Um, we looked really hard to find his owner. Um, couldn't. We suspect he was probably dumped. Um... And so I ended up uh, taking him in a couple weeks later. And I've had him with me since then. And, yeah, he's a, he's a great little dude. He's had a, had a tough time this last year. Went blind. Had a couple other medical problems. He was in the hospital for a few days when he ate a mouse that had been killed by rat poison. And there were a few days, and we weren't sure. like That's basically we're like, if it's this kind of poison, he's not going to make it. So let's hope it's this kind of And it was the the good kind of rat poison. <laughs> <that they can laughs> get, the, the good poison. Sure. So, um <laughs> Yeah, no, he's my he's my little dude. Um, he's a good guy. And, yeah, I, I, I do tweet and uh, Instagram about him quite a bit. And as I said, he was in issue four of, uh, of G.I. Joe along with me. So that was a lot yeah, of fun. He, I actually – is a
0: dreadnought. Hmm? Shorty is a dreadnought.
3: Yes, Shorty is a dreadnought, and so am I apparently. I actually uh, – I asked Chris. I was like, since issue uh, four takes place in Indianapolis, you know, would you mind just like drawing short round into the background somewhere? Just like, you no, know, he's so he's still alive in this, in this continuity after most of Minneapolis has been killed to have him like, you know, walking down along the road somewhere in the background as they're walking by or something. And Chris was like, Chris was like, well, I don't like the implication that, that means you're dead. <laughs> um, so I'm going to draw him with you. Or, or Yeah. yeah um, so I was like, all right, that, that works too. That's cool. So that was how that ended up happening. So I didn't, I didn't ask for myself to be drawn into the book. I just asked for shorty sure to be drawn into the book and Chris decided I need to come along with him.
0: So yeah. So, were you guys in the the chopper that went down, or were you in one of the ones that survived?
3: So we were, we were, uh, we survived. We, you don't okay. actually see us in that last scene, but I decided that um, I I I'm just getting a little like philosophical about fiction and literature, but like I don't feel like the author really has the right to like establish canon outside of the work, you know? Um, like J.K. Rowling, for example. Like I I, I feel like if you want something to be established in the work, put it in the work itself. But I'll make that one exception: that uh, it's, it's canon that, that Shorty and I did survive the uh, the bat attack at the end of issue four.
0: We're good. Short round, tougher than bats. That's right on the record. Right. Absolutely, he loves to I eat mean, dead I things. Mean, he's he's tougher than bats.
2: I think you should have taken full artist or writer's privilege and just written the story of Mutt and Short Round.
3: Now we're talking. <laughs> junkyard is an issue too. Um, but not Just junkyard.
0: Yeah, we don't see Mutt. We just get junkyard. Yeah. That's all right, though.
3: That's
0: right. He, he's a, a junkyard that is pretty consistent with other iterations of junkyard. So it's,
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's all right. Yeah. He's yeah. Easily I, his name. I wanted to make sure that he looks, looks similar. So, and yeah, I imagine that even when Mutt's not around, he just kind of has free reign of the headquarters. He just walk around wherever yeah. he wants. <laughs>
0: But much like Shorty, eating whatever dead things he comes across—mice, <laughs> yes. birds, cobra, cobra agents—yes, <sighs> whatever.
1: Oh, I like Matt's comment.
0: Perfect. Something to think about. Something Somehow work that
1: in. That'd be hilarious.
2: <laughs> Draw that, Chris.
3: Oh, yeah, someone already answered this, but since people watching the recording cannot see the chat, is that is that correct?
0: Yeah, correct. For the folks who are not live. Okay, they, so, so, so for, for, the for the folks that. who
3: are not live and cannot see the chat, I should explain, if you don't know. Yeah, a trade paperback, as they say here, is just when they collect several issues into one book. Um, basically, it's the difference between a floppy issue and a book with a fine, right? This one. So you get four or five or six of these, and you make them into this.
2: So Paul, do you find it limiting as a writer ever, given that comics are so well established yeah. in the six-issue arc? Is that limiting at all as a writer to know that I, I don't know that anybody is ever told that they have to do that, but I'm sure it's at least encouraged. yeah. If keep your stories in a nice six-issue rhythm because they trade up so well.
3: Mm-hmm. I think actually, like, I think you see a lot of comics these days, they're being told more in four- and five-story arcs just because the economics of it make more sense because, like, a four-issue trade is not two-thirds the price of a six-issue trade. So it's, like, less but not that much less. So they're doing a little bit uh, better yeah. on that. But no, um, and on Ga Joe, like I'm actually really lucky that they uh, were down with my desire to do one shots. Um, which you know, every for those of you who aren't reading it, every issue of Ga Joe, they tell one overarching story, but every issue is its own mission, its own story, um, and that's that's actually like, really rare these days in comics to to do that. And they've um, they've been they've been very supportive of that, so it's been awesome as well. Yeah. Really has been have been great about you know letting us do a lot of what we what we would like to do. I mean, including like issue seven. Like this is not you know an issue that was I'm sure an easy approval for them. Mm-hmm. So but they were they were incredibly supportive from the beginning.
0: Was it the, though, the, huh? was it still uh, Chris Ryall who who signed off on that one, or is was it the new new leadership?
3: No, it was Chris. Um, but I don't know like how. I was thinking more more of Hasbro. Like I um I don't, oh, I don't okay. know how much internal discussion there was at IDW about it. But yeah. I mean like there are things on that issue that like I mean like sometimes I'll put things in a script and I'll know that like this is gonna get rejected by the editor or the licensor, but I'm I'm putting it in anyway, you know? Um and then it gets rejected, uh, invariably. And in the you want to hold up hold up Duke. Hold him up, Duke's up. There we go. Um, uh, in in the issue seven script, one of those moments was the very small moment where um, where Duke is in Scarlet's apartment for the first time, and when he like picks up her her weapon and, and empties it out, because um, you know it's a it's a quick moment. It's only in one panel, but it's it's very there's a, there's a lot to unpack in that one moment. That is you know. Says things about where Scarlet is at, or at least where Duke thinks she's at. That you know, I didn't. I didn't think I was going to be able to do if th- I thought for sure they're going to be like, "No, you can't do this. Absolutely not." Um, and no, they, they never said a word about it. So, so yeah, they were. They
0: were. <laughs> or they didn't it. notice it. So you just said something now. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: well, and yeah, now no, no. they can't take it back. <laughs> With the number of people at Hasbro that read this issue, I don't think that's the case. Um, but yeah. And the guy on top of the publishing is still Michael Kelly. Yes, fantastic.
3: Yeah, Michael is awesome. And Michael, like he just not to brag or anything, but Michael just sent us a really, really kind email to the whole creative team about the issue, and um, so that was, that was incredibly heartening to hear.
2: Yeah, and Mike, Michael misses nothing. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. All Allard Duke will raise yeah. his fist in triumph. Yeah, if nobody if nobody else reads an issue, Michael definitely does. So yeah. and I'm sure this one got the full treatment, maybe even from well up the ladder. Yeah. Could uh, usually Mike is the, is the, the arbiter of all things publishing, but it wouldn't surprise me if this didn't go up the ladder a little bit, because it is such a, a sensitive topic. They'd want to make sure it was handled as well as you definitely handled it.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate
2: that. So we're,
0: uh, we're coming up on the hour mark. Joe Colton, we'll give you one more shot here. You have any other, any pressing questions for Paul?
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> All right. So you see can what you happens? You get, you get moved up that. to the top row. You you start asking for your questions first. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's not so bad being second row, is it?
1: No, I do look forward to the rest of the issues though. Like I'm not, like now really excited for like the next couple. Awesome.
2: For sure.
0: Thank you.
1: October Appreciate Guard is like a special place in my heart. I love those. I love the the characters. So
0: she has Excellent. some October Guard fired collecting trauma. So Very cool.
2: Mark Weber. Yes. Questions for Paul. Uh, no, I mean, I mean the question, it's the same Jared question. Do you have any Cobra troopers in your area that you can, <laughs> you can send? I can personally
0: wife? vouch for Paul. No, he does not. Okay. He does not yeah. have any Cobra
2: troopers in the area. What's
3: the question? I'm
2: sorry. Oh, just, I made a, I made a lame joke about not being able to find any Cobra troopers. Oh. Maybe maybe you can write some more into your story. So because nobody's finding them anywhere else. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So no, but Paul, I, uh, I love I I the, uh, the issue. I my regular comic shop, I went last night. They close at seven now, which I didn't know. So the stop by and read it the night before thing didn't work. So I stopped at a different branch on the drive home tonight. They were sold out, which is a good sign.
1: Yeah,
2: and then so I had to hightail it to make it to my regular comic shop by six fifty eight while they're trying to pull down the thing and like, Are no, I got a card
1: a in the door.
2: Yeah, don't you know who I am? I got a podcast. tonight. give me my C. <laughs> C. I, Joe.
0: So. I'm on what's on Joe' mind, <laughs> right? And they look back at you and they say, "What?" No, they, they're like, "You know, Mike Irizarry." I do. At which point they slam the door down harder.
2: <laughs> that guy. So hard your teeth rattle. I'm that guy. I'm the 658 guy that every store hates. <laughs> that was me tonight. Yep.
0: So, Paul, for all, all the rookies and greenhorns that, that, that haven't listened to you on our program before, where can they find you on social media?
3: Uh, Twitter, um, at Paul Aller. That's where I spend the most of my time on social media. Um Instagram, I believe I'm Paul.aller. That's mostly pictures of my dog. Um which I'm not saying you shouldn't follow me for that because, you know, they're excellent. Um and I'm also on Facebook. I don't use it as much. It's pretty much like pretty much the same stuff that you'll see on Twitter as well. But um you just search for Paul Aller. I think I'm the only one on there.
2: That's good because there's a German Joe Colton who's trying to steal uh Yeah. Surprise. Yep.
1: I'm gonna trip that
2: guy.
0: <laughs> headbutt and have fang marks to deal with. Joe Colton. No problem violent.
1: headbutting in the in this helmet.
0: Don't cross Joe you know, like, Colton.
1: I feel like I'd win the headbutt.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yep. Yep. it was a
1: tooth, it'd be fine.
0: <laughs> it's not even one of your teeth. Whatever. I know. It's fake teeth.
1: And be weird, Serpenter it- having one tooth? Like, come on.
0: Well, you could. I mean, you could take that fang and then kind of pop it in your own mouth at that point. So,
1: good.
0: We're just trying to come up with a way you know ways to look you make you look more boss.
1: Giant armor.
0: right. Keep stroke inducing armor. <laughs> Paul, you have anything else you want to tell the public at large?
3: No, I write other things besides GI Joe. If you want to go check them out, I've written a bunch of Ninja Turtle stuff, um, my own creator own books. Oh, um, if you're interested in military comics and war comics, I have a book called um, called Tet, which takes place in Vietnam in 1968 and 1984. Um, it's a it's a war-torn romance crime story. So it's kind of a bit of a genre matchup there. But um, so yeah, yeah, check it out. Excellent. I write good. You like.
2: That's, that's a bumper sticker on your car you yes. <laughs> write the word good you write good word we good, be, good, good. Word, be happy
0: paul it, it is always a pleasure uh, as, as always anytime you need a, a megaphone we're here for you i'm not sure how loud we we turn anymore but uh but uh, you're you're welcome to to join us whenever you need to
1: yeah. Excellent.
3: Thanks so much. I appreciate that. I'll see you next and,
0: week. Uh, <laughs> All I right.
1: At least I didn't have a migraine this time. We're good. I got to finally meet you.
3: Yes. Yes. Absolutely.
0: And ironic in that we're kicking her off to make a make a spot for you. <laughs> I
1: can't win with Mike.
0: Uh, we might have to. Have, she might have to show up as our guest then. I'm proud. But
1: <laughs> don't park, right? okay.
0: For my co hosts, <laughs> Mark Weber,
2: our a guests, Paul
0: Isler, and Short Round. Mike DeRizari, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to What's on Joe Mine. We will catch okay. you again next time. Have a great evening.
2: Beer.